Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Well, hey, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. I'm John. This is Kate. And Jennifer. And uh, hey, we actually had a very special episode. Okay, we talked about this when I did it. Uh, Joe Bieber and uh, Brian Revendez. Resend- I never say his hey, Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. He, ta- he showed me, and then I keep on, because I want to say Revendez, Resendez, whatever, rendezvous. <laughs> it's, it's like Portuguese or something like that. Oh, I don't know. Um, but we actually met with them and talked about the revival that's been going on. Obviously, people are listening to this that's already passed. Um, I went on Wednesday night for a little bit and God did some pretty awesome stuff. It was really cool. And I'm excited to see how the next two days go tonight because we're recording on Thursday. So there's going to be the second night of revival is tonight. And then Friday, we're doing it at Zion. So I'm sure when I come back next week and we do the podcast, we'll talk about more then. But yeah, but yeah. so we did a special episode, a bonus episode of the Breakthrough Breakdown. And uh, today we're starting in uh, we're week two of our Tove series where we've been talking about kind of this refocus of direction. And last week, uh, we talked about that Hebrew word Tov, which means good or goodness or as it should be, excuse me, excellence. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at these kind of new values uh, that, that we're wanting to instill into our community. And those are belong, believe, and become. And this week, we're talking about this idea of belonging. Uh, okay, now I'm just curious, out of fun, tell me one thing that you were a part of when you were younger that you belonged to, that you that was fun or that you have a fun memory of. I loved doing softball, but in particular, uh, there was a season in my life where I got to play with um, children with special needs. So we played softball. It was maybe Challenger Buddy, I think they called it, but I don't know. I just loved, like, that was something that I felt like I belonged to. Yeah. I also did Girl Scouts for a while, but I didn't love that. So <laughs> I was in Boy Scouts and I won't share why I left because it wasn't very good. But um, I was in Boy Scouts for like three months and I dropped out because one of the Boy Scout leaders was very mean to me. Mm-hmm. And I was, but that's, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> oh, what a bummer. <laughs> but I was, it was, uh, we lived in Maine from 10 to 12. Yeah. I lived in Maine and uh, just a short, I was the only kid in the entire town who didn't have a dad. So a small town, and uh, this is back in the 80s when that wasn't as common as it is today, which it shouldn't be common. It's the hard part. Um, but yeah, but that was not something I belonged to. I know, I know. I went, <laughs> I went to the opposite side too. I'm like, I didn't really No, that was, really that was, there. no, yeah. I, but uh, anybody else? What I've got some fun belonging, but so, I So I did all sports in junior high and my freshman year of high school, and then I got into the wrong crowd and I quit doing that. But I don't even really count that. I had a DDR group that would get together. Dance Dance Revolution? Yeah, Dance Dance Revolution. I still got those wow. moves, too. I can make those arrow ups and sides. It was so Did good. Did you do, like, the full thing, or was it just all below the waist? It was like, all below the waist. It was, like, like Irish Revolution. You were, like, Irish Revolution. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I would, like, go against other people, and we would all get together and go to Aladdin's Castle. And I still nice. have coins that are, Where's like, Aladdin, Where was Aladdin's so Castle? So, in the mall of Mason City, it, it was, you know, where, like, the food court is in the mall. Where It's really sad now. The mall is, um, like, three stores know, and an ice rink. It used to be, like, a hop-in <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. and so, the, and I would get, 
I would go to DDR and go and get a made right. Uh, made right across. They had a made right here. And it was so much fun. And it was like these skater kids, because you know, I'm a millennial, so it was like that emo generation. So it was like I totally <laughs> She was belong. a skater boy. Yeah, Avril Lavigne, yeah. like all of that. I was, I was Oh yeah. I had the black eyeliner and the hair swoosh and my boyfriend wore skinny jeans that were actually mine. Like that generation. <laughs> I belonged to that. So you would that so what so part of it when you belonged. It was like counterculture. It was yeah, but you still belonged. But you oh, still yeah. belonged. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I had this great shirt. Do you guys know who the band Beck is? Yeah. Okay, so I had this shirt, and it was it was this tour shirt, and I bought it because it was really funny. It was an ironic shirt, and it said, "I am an individual," and then it had everybody dressed the exact same, and they were all saying how they were all individuals. Oh yeah, it was, it was brilliant. That's good. <laughs> how about you, John? What was something you belonged to? Well, I knew that I was not cut out for sports in high school, <laughs> uh, but I did every other fine art activity you can think of: band, choir, speech. But speech was the one that I I could always count on, like. After my freshman year, you know, sophomore year, um, I could count on knowing the the little quirks. Because then every time you go to a speech competition, especially state speech, um, whether it's uh, individual or group activities, they're the weirdest crowd of people. And I love it so much because I could start to pick up on all of the inside jokes that would just happen. Like just some of the weird quirks. You get like the, the one person yelling out in the middle of the auditorium. Red Robin and the entire auditorium just goes yum instantly without even thinking. They're in the in middle harmony? of harmony. Were they at least in harmony? Oh yeah, they're all like they're all practicing their speeches. They're they're about to go on or whatever. They're really focused. Everyone stops what they're doing and it's just like, oh yeah, we're in on we're in in on this. And it was just fun to like slowly acclimate to that over four years of high school speech. So I when I was in high school, I didn't like. Not proud of this. My grades were really bad in high school, so I couldn't join any sports. But I did play basketball. I lived right across the street from a basketball court. And uh, so I played with a lot of street ballers. And mm. at one point, I was a decent. I was never a great. I've never been a great athlete. I've always been a good. Like, I could hang with some people, but there were always people that were way better than I. Uh, I would never be first pick, but I was never last pick in high school. In junior oh. high, always last pick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then I also, volleyball was the same thing. And I remember I used to go play volleyball over at our park and we had, uh, we had an indoor court and there was a group that I, every Thursday night I'd go and I'd belong and I'd automatically get connected in and we would play together pretty regularly. And, and I looked forward to that, but really where I think I had the greatest belonging was my youth group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a group of guys. I, I think I've shared this before. I became a Christian going into high school and I was a, a, a pretty obnoxious kid. Um, but for whatever reason, when I was around the guys, everything cooled down. I, I was, I had this group of about five, six guys that we would hang out pretty regularly, go to concerts together. And for me, that was, that was something to be belong to. Like that felt like my tribe, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yep. Uh, and I still think about that. And I, I often think about the trips we used when I was in my early twenties, late teens, early twenties, we'd drive up to LA to go to the coconut teaser, which was a, a really well-known bar. Uh, and there'd be bands playing there. And so we'd go to concerts probably 10, 12 times a year, just this group of guys and a few girls as well. Um, but my favorite of all was uh, Thursday nights. This is when Seinfeld and Friends and ER went on. We had, we had ER night. And it was all, it was, oh, it was a whole thing. And we would come and it was always, it was called a guy's night. And we had all these rules and stuff. But it was something I looked forward to. Like we had, uh, during commercials, you had to hit the mute button and you were called the mutant. 
I think you told me this story one time that some women wanted to come over. Yep. There were women that were allowed. And my friend's mom, who is my spiritual mother, her name was Marsha Reese. She would tell the women, you're welcome to come over, but this is a guy's knot. And anything goes. So if you don't like the smells or the itches <laughs> the or whatever's going on, that's on you. <laughs> and yeah. usually women would come maybe once, twice, and they'd eventually. Full disclosure. And, and we were. Men are gross. That's pretty much. <laughs> but we belonged. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's interesting is we talked about this idea of belonging. Uh, one of the things that I talked about is that the order actually matters. And the, the three are belong, believe, become. And for years, uh, I believed that you had to be a Christian in order to belong to a church. You believe first. Believe first. And then you belong. And the more that I looked at the life of Jesus, what I saw Jesus is he purposely hung out with the people who didn't seem to belong. Mm-hmm. And it got me wondering why. Why do you think, I mean, we know we know the religious answers, but what is it? I mean, they actually did belong to something. Most of these people that were outsiders, they belonged to other outsiders. Yeah. And Jesus made it a point to go to them, not so he could just keep them in the same way, but he wanted to expose them to himself, to what what the good news of the gospel was, why he came. Uh, I, I want us, I'm going to ask us to do something weird, but could you imagine, imagine, put yourself back, or even think about when your group, if Jesus would have come in, how do you think he would have related in in the groups that you were in? He walked a lot. I feel like he'd be great at DDR. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he's got some so if there are, legs. I know we have some older listeners who do not know what DDR is. Okay, DDR is. is Dance Dance Revolution, and it was an arcade-style dance video game with up, side, left and right, and down arrows on the floor on this arcade-style dance game. And it would play... Very techno house style electronic That's music. Yeah, and you would have to step on the arrows at an appropriate time as it, they scrolled across the screen. And sometimes it was quite intricate and fast. And fast. It was very like oh, I watch because they have the bars that you can hold yeah, on to because it's on all to your legs. It's, yeah, the people who can do that, like like great. I was not professional by any oh means. My it's mesmerizing. You're like, how does yeah. your body move? So, so how do you think Jesus would have related? I mean, this is this idea of belonging. How do you think he would have come into your groups? I think he would have came in and seen a lot of kids that didn't fit in. Like I said, it was like a counterculture, this emo style that they had, where it was a lot of the, um, the leftovers of high school society, you know, the people that didn't really fit in anywhere else. So they just kind of congregate together and um, we're angry at the world together. They found where they belonged. Yeah. Was yeah. a bunch of other angry people. Yeah. People. And, and, you know, we had a lot of fun. It wasn't just angry stuff. But, like, that, I always think of that, like, that angry, like, mad at the world kind of mentality of emo kids. And when when did you graduate high school? Give 2009. Me a- I was a senior in high school. Oh. I graduated. Yeah. So this would have been, I was 14 when I got my first tattoo <laughs> with this group. <laughs> they were not a good group. <laughs> I mean, we were, whatever. But um, they were hurt. so that was 2006, okay. 2007, that, that time So frame. 15 years ago, how yeah. things have changed in 15 years. I know. Yeah. How about you? How do you think, how do you think Jesus would have related how, in that idea of belonging with the groups that you were a part of? I picture Jesus at speech. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> he probably would have won. It, it, yeah, he, I was going to say, there's some pretty dramatic reenactments that I've seen of uh, uh, Jesus on the cross. Very good. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I I just I always thought of like band and choir. So I always make the comparison that when you're when you're trying out for Allstate and you go to whatever um, school that is hosting those tryouts, 
it's very controlled. It's very, um, everyone's very focused on practicing and practicing. And then when they post, you know, who, who made it for whatever instrument or whatever voice part, it's all very silent and everyone's watching and focused and like very controlled. Speech is not that at all. It's very, it's very much the opposite. Everyone's, it's like one big party. It's, everyone's just having a good time. I never time. would have thought of speech as being a party. I'm not going to. Well, it's, it's, I say speech, I guess I should clarify debate. too. It's not, it's not more of the debate side of things, but more of like performance. Acting, improv, reading poetry, doing some prose pieces, mime, all that sort of good stuff. It's just lumped Jesus into speech. Mime. Jesus is, yeah. I've seen that. I've seen the Jesus mime and it's. Not great. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, no, I think he would have, it, it would have been one of those where you wouldn't think, like, stereotypically, you wouldn't think, like, Jesus being weird, quote unquote. Like, no, Jesus is, oh, Jesus. But he did some really weird things yeah, when you think really about did. it when he's doing his ministry. Like, when he's healing people, it's not just a touch and you're healed. It's like, I'm going to make some mud out of my spit and rub it in a guy's eyes and heal you that way. And kind of dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Very dramatic. Yeah. So I, I wonder like if, if you think of Jesus, I could see Jesus coming in and this is the thing. Like it seemed like whoever Jesus was with, they wanted to be around him yeah. mm. and he was still different. Like uh, there's that old, you know, Jesus loves you just the way you are. No, he loves you so much. He won't keep you where you are, Yeah, but he's still going to meet you where you are. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I mean, now the softball. Do you think Jesus well, was a I fast was, pitcher? Yeah, I was like, I don't, I, I wonder if Jesus would have approved of my catching ang- anger as a catcher. <laughs> um, but I was thinking more about just even my really close high school friends, and it wasn't necessarily a group of like we all. It was very bizarre in that we um, didn't really. It wasn't like we were all the sports team or all the, the singers. Like we all came from like different parts and then meshed together. So I was thinking more about Jesus being there uh, with my really close friends. And I think he totally would have like fit in well and challenged us and not agreed with some of the choices we made, but at the same time still would have been there and like loved yeah. us. So that's kind of what I was thinking. I, you know, the reason why I talk about this is this idea. Um, again, last week we talked about this idea of Tobe. And what does it mean to bring a good? That word tov can mean good. But in order to bring something, you have to be present in something. And this idea of belonging, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is kind of a critical. If you're not familiar with this, it says that everybody has a base needs and that until your first needs are met, you can't go to your second. And so, like, for instance, your, your base needs are physiological, uh, air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction, that kind of stuff. Those are physiological needs. Now, you can go without some of those. Right. You could technically, I mean, there's that show Naked and Afraid. Right? <laughs> Worse, I tried to watch it one time, couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. But you can't go without air. Like I hate to tell you, no matter if you can't breathe, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. When you're hungry. Uh, you can only go so long without water. That's right. Yeah. Like those are the base needs physiological. And then once you feel safe in those, then you go to your safety needs, personal security, employment, resources, health. And then he goes, the third one is that once you have those things that if you don't have connection, belonging, uh, the other ones just can't function. So yeah, you can you can eat and drink and have all the things you need. You can have a job, but if you don't belong, things like esteem and recognition, um, sense of self, uh, even um, the ability to grow as a person, it's impossible to feel like you can grow as a person when you're, those other needs aren't being met. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Bible starts off with 
Adam and Eve have all their base needs met, or Adam does. What he's missing, he's got safety and security. He's got physiology. He's got his physiological needs, but and he ultimately even has the love need with God. But that's not enough. It's not tov, so to speak. Mm. This idea of belonging is so critical. And now I have all of us have kids here now, and I think about my son. Like my son loves uh, Minecraft, not Minecraft. Well, he likes it too. What's the Fortnite? Fortnite. Ah, yes. And it's a generational <laughs> difference now because, like, for me, DDR for today. Yeah, it's the, but, <laughs> but it's all online now. Like, yeah. that online gaming is so different. But yep. my daughter, she's all about the theater stuff. Like, they're still looking for that connection. Eli could spend hours on Fortnite. And I remember Lisa and I having this conversation about it. She's like, I feel like he's wasting his time playing video games. And I'm like, but you realize there's people on those video games. He's not just sitting in front of a screen. He's having conversation. He's building community. It's just not outside. Now, my son also is very active outside. Um, when we look at all these different platforms that now try to exist for belonging, what are your kids? What are, where do they try and find to belong? Like, is it, is it video games? Is it sports? What are, you, are you seeing shifts in our culture now for how your kids? I know how mine have. How about you guys? Well, I don't know if this quite answers the question, but um, my sixth grader does not have a cell phone. And she will tell me repeatedly that she's the only one who doesn't have one. And she prob- she very well could be. <laughs> um, but there's already a, a disconnect with belonging because of the tech- technological side of texting and Snapchat and all, all that communication. So I don't know, that doesn't quite answer your question. It's what you were looking for. No, but... it's kind of there, though. That is kind of, she's looking, she realizes that connect in order to connect to belong. She has to have a phone. She feels she, like she feels like she does. She, she feels yeah. like she has to. Yeah. Yeah. How about how about you guys? I mean, well, my son also loves Fortnite, and he we just recently moved, and he was very sad to leave the neighborhood that we were in. We live in a small town, Clear Lake's an amazing town, and there's these little like pocket neighborhoods, and with he, lots of kids, lots of yeah. kids. And we really connected with the, our whole little like U street that we had, had a lot of little boys his age that would play with him. They all got along pretty well. I mean, mm-hmm. you always have somebody come in crying every once in a while. And you're like, eh, I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, handle it yourself. Yeah. But so he really loved that neighborhood. And to move away from that, he was very nervous. Mm-hmm. And still, we're, I mean, we just moved. And still, he knows a couple of the kids that live in our Orchard Lane neighborhood. We. I mean, Amanda Farmer, who is also on staff with us, her kids live right down the road from us. He still is very hesitant to get out there because he feels like, I don't feel like I belong yet. And I think our neighborhood definitely for our son was the best. And it's when we look at scripture, this idea of belonging is so critical. And for the church, you know, one of the things we talked about last week and we talked a little bit about this week is what if the point, point of scripture is to help us think differently about the world? Instead of just reading the Bible and going, well, how do I apply this? I mean, I believe we can apply anything if we look for it. But this idea of belonging is so critical. And yet, how often do we view the church as the reason why we exist is to bring a place for people to belong? But, and usually, you know, I'm guilty of this. I tend to think of church as something, what do I get out of church? How do, how do I benefit? Instead of what benefit does it bring to, the, to my neighbor, to the person around me? And belonging is part of that. I'm interested, particularly for you guys, because we've got adult ministries and children's ministries uh, with Kate and Jennifer. How how do you create an environment in which kids belong, or how do you create an environment where 
adults belonging? What does that look like for your ministries? And how do we, as we start talking more and more about this, I want to get into why is belonging so important to the kingdom? I think for kids ministry specifically, because that's all I know about really, (laughs) um, the environment is very intentionally crafted that I pick and do every little thing, everywhere I place a weird looking paddle because we're nautical themed is very intentional that we are trying to create an environment where the gospel and the biblical truth is not lost, yeah. but it meets a child exactly where their needs are. It, it, even down to how we break up our classrooms with the nursery zero to two and what kind of things are supplied into that room that all the toys are safe and appropriate, that everything is cleaned down and able to be wiped down, that there's plenty of diapers and wipes, but even that we have um, a crib and different rocking chairs and things for the volunteers that will also be in there. Um, And twos and threes that we have two and three-year-olds are separate from our fours and fives because a two-year-old has a very different brain developmentally than a five-year-old. They can't learn the same way. And, you know, sometimes when we're really short on volunteers, they're like, well, let's just blend the two. And it's like, that's really hard. That that child in, in that preschool age, if they don't feel safe, they will not learn anything what they're saying. Yeah. And so we, we have that rule of like after 10 minutes of constant crying, we have to give, we have to call the parent. It's not because we can't hold a crying baby for an hour. It's because they don't feel safe here. Yeah. They do not feel safe here and we do not want them to suffer for that. And so we're trying, that's why we have it stream in the service so that you can come and sit with your child show them this is safe, but you also don't have to miss out on service. Same with elementary. Very specifically crafted, goofball, yeah. wild things. I dress up like a pirate with mustaches and yeah, all. Yeah, which is, which is amazing. Are, <laughs> like, are, are you ready? Yeah, like, <laughs> it's ridiculous, and but it's not the focus. Yeah. Because kids, I can't focus. I can't sit for an hour and listen to... Um, some sermons. I'm not looking at you, Jason. I'm looking away. Just kidding. Right. <laughs> like you were some, looking at your husband. Was, That's I even was, more. Yeah, awkward. some drawn yeah, out right, right, speaking. Right, right, right. No, but I have a short attention span, and so does a child. So I have to keep that in mind when I'm yeah. giving them. What do I need to say, and how do I need to say it? And even I think even to that point, if the parents don't feel like it's a safe environment, it, they have feel hard. Who it's, would it's take hard, your kid here? And it's hard for them safe. to feel like they can belong. Yeah. Even our they checkout have, yeah. system, where yeah. it's like some parents get frustrated that. You have to give me a tag that matches your student's name tag. Some parents would not drop off their child if I did not have a security system. Yeah. So it's all about you. How about you, Jennifer? I mean, what does it what does it look like in adult ministries? Because you've got a much wider audience yeah. who also kids don't have a choice. They're just brought there. <laughs> <laughs> Can I make it nice when they are here? Because they have to be. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, on the flip side of that though, is that if the kids want to come, parents are more apt to come with adults. Yes. If they don't want to be there, they're not going to be there. In yeah. the story. So what does that look like for you and how important is belonging to your ministry as far as helping people feel connected? Yeah, I think for me, um, you know, not just as we talk about community, but as we know that Christ wants that for our people. Yeah. We know that Christ wants that for us. And so for me, the belonging really comes into the part of like for some for some people, the church is the only place to belong. Yeah. And actually for all of us, it should be the best place to belong. That's right. Yeah. And so for me, it's more about how do we create opportunities to, for people to connect? How do we create things for them to do? How do we match up people with like people? How do you know? Yeah. How do we do those sorts of things? And and how do we really equip leaders, especially of small groups and 
and that sort of thing to to bring belonging. Yeah. Um, so an example, I was just talking to a woman this week. She's going to lead a Bible study, and it's pretty heavy, intensive homework. And, you know, not everyone's ready for that. And And she is so wise, but it was basically this idea of, like, I don't want them to not come to group if they don't get their homework done. How can we communicate that yeah. Yeah. so that they still feel like this is the place that they need to be, that they yeah. will still belong here even if they don't do the work? Yeah. Now there's there's like it's good to do the work. It's rewarding. You get stuff out of it, but we know that young moms or people who have busy lives or people who travel for work or whatever or just simply forget. Or just or just forget or it's just hard, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that's just an, that's something. I think the other thing for me is looking at where the holes are. So, um, you know, we have men's and women, but, and that covers all adults, right? Yeah. But then, <laughs> but then we have, but there are other holes. We have people who are, you know, single parents, single dads. How do they connect? Where do, where do they fit in? Which we, we have, don't think about single dads. We think about single moms. That's right. We that's have women who've had mind. abortions. Where do they fit in yeah. and find and belong and to be safe and to meet these needs where, you know, they're safe, even the safety of being able to share. Yeah. That's what community is supposed to be. It's that the safety to be able to share your life with someone and to feel that it will not be taken advantage of, abused, not that there will be an opportunity to work through conflict in a safe manner. Yeah. That's what, for me, that's what I look for when, with the community. I think of Celebrate Recovery as an example, yeah. right? And, uh, and, and you're, I, I think there's something to be said because when we look at the, the model of Jesus, and again, we, we talked about that Acts chapter 2 verse where it talked about the first century church after Jesus rose and then went up to be with heaven. God sends a spirit, and then we see the church beginning to be born, the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. And it starts off with them. They're dedicated to following Jesus. So first they belong to Jesus. Yeah. And, and I think that's ultimately the goal. Like, let's be mm -hmm. clear. You can belong to a church, but it does not make you a Christian. It means you belong to an organization at that point. And that's how some people think it. I know there are people who come to Zion who aren't Christian yet. Mm -hmm. And they're coming because they like the people, they like the message, but they haven't, they haven't encountered Christ yet. And yeah. it's not because we're not trying. It's just that is not awakening them yet for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And then it goes on to that they took care of each other and that they literally gave everything they had and that anyone who had needs, their needs were met. And then it goes into that next part. So they belong to Jesus. Now they belong to a community. And then it says, that they, they went to the temple or to the, uh, the temple courts and they preached the gospel and that's where they first met. And then this amazing, beautiful thing happens that as they're doing it, they begin to basically invite people into their homes. And that's like the first place of, of invitation and belonging. You know, Jennifer, you, you love having people at your house. I mean, you do it regularly. For Lisa and I, that's hospitality is a big part for us. But when you open your home to somebody, it's a way of saying, you don't have to be family to belong, to be a part of here. I want you in my house. Because there is a safety that comes with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a safety both, both and. It's both a safety for the host uh -huh. to, to say, welcome into my mess. You get to, I don't, it doesn't have to be perfect. You get to see me yeah. as I am. There's a vulnerability yep. associated with that. Yeah. And then also to go into a home. To go into a home, there's a vulnerability of like, okay, will I like these people? Yeah. What will this yeah. experience be like? I don't like? have an escape plan for this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, how how long are we yeah. going to leave yeah. or be here? You know, and so it's a, it's a, it's a, to step into someone's home is really an invitation to step into their life. That's right. Yeah. And I think that that's really critical when it comes to belonging. That was one of the hardest things as a single mom 
Gabe and I were able to afford a lot. Yeah. And so I had a wonderful home. It served me so well. A uh, cute little small living space. And I had a table that would fold up into itself and the stools would sit inside of this table up against my kitchen wall. And then when Gabe and I would go eat, it had just the two stools. We'd pull it out, set the little like leg up, pull the stools out and sit on that. And I was like, I miss chairs with backs. You had a I house, miss- not a home. Now. I had a house, not a home. And when John and I got married and moved into this new house, I literally the first piece of furniture I bought was a big table. Yeah. A big table. And I couldn't She was super wait. excited about I was it, so too. Excited. I cried. I literally <laughs> cried. I was so excited. Well, and that's when you look at the end of that. So you have that, you have that, that it starts with that as Christians, we belong to Jesus, we belong to each other. But then we also have a mission. And I love it. The very, the last thing it says, and the Lord added a multitude to their numbers that in their time. And in the sense that I get, and I'm not there, but it's kind of like, Part of the reason why the church grew is because the church understood how to make people feel welcome and belong in an ancient culture. And I feel like sometimes we've lost that. I think because church has become something we attend or something we consume, that we forgot that it's a mission we're a part of. And that this this idea of helping people feel like they can connect, some of the easiest ways to love Jesus is by opening your life to them. Yeah. And and that's, I, I think, you know, one of the things as we we talk about this, we use that illustration of the Lego connection and the reason why i like legos is because everybody there's always a connection but some people have more like for me if i was a lego piece i'm not like that giant board i'd like to i used to be i used to be that i had like a million connections i the joke when i was my friends when i was in my early 20s late teens was anywhere we went i would run into somebody i knew like we were at magic mountain which is two and a half hours away and literally my youth group was joking about however we go everywhere we go i meet somebody i meet somebody i know already and as we're saying it, they hear this, hey, Jason, <laughs> here comes this. And they lived in the town because I was a guy, I was a high connection person. Yeah. But as I've gotten older, I'm finding I don't have as many of the spaces left anymore, right? Some people have lower connection rates and that's okay. Some people are designed that, you know, maybe that, that six piece Lego where they've only got six spots. Yeah. But where would, what, how would you define yourself as a Lego? Oh my goodness, I've been thinking about it. I, would I be figured four, you would be. I, oh, I love this. I would be a four by four that's too high. <laughs> and it is a very versatile piece. Like, mm, yeah. I love hard when I have, like, my group of people. Four by four, but yeah. too high. Yeah. So it's like, a it's bigger a bigger block. It's a bigger block, but it's kind of small. You know, like, you know what I mean? Or, or like a two by two. That's what I meant. Not a two by two. Where there is four on it. A little square. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, a two by two. Sorry, that's too But you've high. got it piled up. Yeah, so it's a little wider. So you can put it, like, anywhere. You can put it anywhere. If you look at a piece of Lego construction, you know, like a set or something, there's that piece. Yeah. You know, and it's holding other pieces together. I might not be the most vital piece, but I'm definitely versatile. Yeah. And the so few you're a four that I'm touching four. need me. <laughs> oh, so yeah. you're a four by four. Yeah, for sure. What, what would you be, Jennifer Colby? I don't. Do you, see, do, you, do you see yourself as somebody who has, a, do you have a lot of space for people in your life or do you have like how? No, I'm definitely a, I have a few close connections yeah. and that's where that lives. But. And I'm asking this for a reason. It's not it's, just a silly game. I think uh, if you think of like a, a radius, right? So you have like your really close people that are close to you and I have certainly have those and it goes, it goes out, but I've shared life. I think that's the thing. I've sh- done seasons of sharing intense that's life right. with people who may not be in my close inner circle right yeah. now, but we share a belonging from that season. Yep. 
Yeah, I'm going so, somewhere with this, I promise. There's a purpose so for as I'm far as the Lego is concerned, I do not know how to answer that question. How about you, John? What would you be? I don't know, I've been thinking about it. I feel like I'm one of those small colored pieces, like the little lights that you attach on the final <laughs> the end of the single product. one? You have yeah, like one spot. Add some so color, cute. some pizzazz at the very end <laughs> of the project. Bad. Yeah. But wow. it's very small and it can, it connects a bunch of different places, but it, it just kind of locks in there. Just win. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I, I hear what you're saying, Jennifer, too. It's like, you know, you, when you have those, those places that you belong to, you know, you, you feel comfortable in them. And it's hard to, it's hard to step into that new space or a new area and be like, I don't I fully belong here yet. You know, it's hard for people who are new to faith, I'm sure, coming in, not knowing yeah. Or even new Where to a I community. Fit in. New yeah. to a community, new to faith, really new to church. Unique, like those really mm -hmm. weird looking Legos that have oh, like yeah. the slope. Maybe I should have picked that instead. Yeah. Where, where do I fit? How am I going to be on here? Right. I, I can't, I can look at this Lego set that's in process and not know what am I, where am mm -hmm. I supposed to be on this? So I, there's a reason why I'm asking the question and it's, it actually is intentional. Okay. So on the Lego, you have two sides. You have the top and you have the bottom. Yeah. And I think so often what we do is we forget the fact that I have to have some place that I connect. That's my friend group. But I'm also supposed to be a connection for other people. Yeah. And so you actually, you're not a four by four. You're actually an eight by eight because you have both sides of the bottoms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have to have those. That's why you're exactly what you're talking about. You have those people who may not be your close, intimate friends. That's who you connected mm -hmm. to. But you have that top piece where someone can connect to you. And I think what happens in church so often is we forget that part of the reason why we're there is to help other people connect. Yeah. For it's sure. it's and maybe that connection is I'm the bridge to get them to this group of friends. Actually, yep. in a couple of my last small groups that I've had that I've been a part of, some of the most fulfilling parts of that was not when they connected with me, but when they connected with one another. Yeah, like that was really satisfying. Of like, and that's, yeah, that's awesome. You're you're gaining a new a new belonging, a new community. That's right. And when people come to our church, when they come to Zion, what if we saw part of our mission, part of our values? was helping everybody feel like they belong. And that means I'm not asking that they have to be my best friend, but I might be the connection piece. I might, they're on the top of me, right? I'm so that they can connect to other people so that they have that first bridge. And then as they get their group, I can move on and open up to be available for the people. That's, I think when we do that, now all of a sudden the church functions differently. But the danger that exists in church, and, and I've been guilty of it, I can also tell you I've experienced it, and the other reason why I wanted to say this is that I think some people assume that because we're on staff, we have 50 points of connection. Like, uh -huh. like somehow we miraculously have more emotional capacity than other people do. Oh, boy. We don't. <laughs> no, because now you've got your children, yeah. right? Once you have children, they take up some pegs automatically. Your spouse your takes spouse. up pegs. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I talk to friends who, when they first get married, and they're surprised within the first year or two why their friend group has gotten smaller. Yeah. It's like because part of your emotional connectivity now belongs to this other person. Oh, yeah. When you, sorry. Yeah, yeah no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say when you were talking earlier, I was immediately thinking my Lego is immediate. My Lego shape is defined also by my husband's That's Lego right. shape. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so it can, if I were not married, it would look completely different mm -hmm. than the fact that, that I am. And so anyway, they kind of, they go together and they make this whole different shape, but it also means less Less connections of connection. And so then yeah. how do we intentionally, this is why it's so important that we has, as a community have this value. Because if the only ones who are holding this value are staff or core leaders, 
it's no wonder somebody comes to the church and goes, I don't belong here. Yeah. Because here's the thing. I only have so many things, even from a staff perspective. Um, if I were to try and meet with every person in our church for yeah. an hour a day, that would be my full-time job yeah. as plus, a pastor. Plus. Plus. Oh, yeah. Plus. No, nothing else. That, it just, that's all I would be doing. Yeah. Are you saying like one hour a year? Because that's like what it would yeah, be. Yeah, one hour a year. If I had yeah, to meet okay. with one, if I had to meet with one person for one hour a, a year, that would be my full-time job. Like I would have no other job. And that's not the kind of belonging we want for people. No, because that's a false sense of belonging. Well, and it's, it's a one and done. Actual yeah, belonging right. is, yeah. a, is a multiple yes. connection yeah. point. And, and that's the part where whoever, if you're listening to this, our hope is, is that we begin to embody this. Like I want us to be thinking through our ministries. How are we encouraging belonging? So let's, well, let's talk about the launch party. Yeah. We just had the launch party this last Sunday. You know, again, we're talking in a week in advance, so that's technically two Sundays ago. Um, but Jennifer, you brought up a great point about you were looking out and we had over 300 people at launch party. And you brought up something that you saw there that was so fun to see. To share more about that. Yeah, I just, you know, internally on staff, we've been talking about how do you measure community? How do we know that community is happening at our church? Yeah. If that's so important, we, we believe it is. But how do we how do we know that it's happening? And because you can look at the number of groups, but that doesn't mean that can, that belonging is truly happening, yeah. right? Yeah. And so one of the cool things for me at the launch party is I was eating, and I, so I had a moment, a, a break. And I was just looking around, and I could just see all these different circles of people. And yeah. they were circles of people who normally aren't in their each other's circles. Yeah. And it was really cool to just see, like, you want to know that community happened at the launch party? I could tell you because I could look around and see 25 different groups yeah. of people who were celebrating as Zion attendees who were loving, who were having fun, who were laughing, who were sharing a meal together. Yep. So that was cool. And I, I wonder how much of the difficulty that we have is that why is it that we have to have a launch party to do that? And so how do we create those organic situations where it naturally happens? Uh, I got saved at a very small church. I mean, maybe there were 140 people there. Maybe our youth group was a third of the church. Mm -hmm. We had 30 in the youth group. <laughs> and after church every Sunday, we would go out to lunch. And I still remember this now, again, not raised in a Christian home, very poor, didn't have a lot of money. And every time they'd go, they'd invite me and I didn't have money. And I, I'm like, I, I can't like, no, just come. We're, we're paying. Well, I, I always felt guilty. Yeah. I feel guilty. Like a burden. Yeah. And, yeah. and they were like, no, we want you to come. They understood. But I wonder what it would look like for us as a community if we started to encourage people Grab five, six people, go out to lunch afterwards. Yeah. You know, grab Burger King or McDonald's and go sit on the lawn and not just the same six people that you yeah, always right. do life with. Yeah. Um, I well, just started. It, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say like, yeah, and it doesn't even have, it doesn't have to be like, all right, here's our hour of church, you know, hour and a half of church. Now we're going to go eat lunch and continue church. No, it's just, it's life. With it's doing people. life it's, together. It's, it's, it's. it's hanging out it's belonging i'm sure most of the conversations at the launch party weren't like all right we got a lot of disciples here <laughs> let's talking. talk about jesus you know, uh, what do you about the book of hebrews yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's okay that's all right you know it's belonging it's we're the family of god and, and it's some of it was trash talking by Derek at Gaga Ball. I'm pretty sure. Uh huh. Uh -huh. And maybe basketball. And uh, basketball, Jason yeah. Dennis. I'm don't. I hope Jason Dennis, if you're listening, I was still sore like two days later. Like, <laughs> Playing basketball. <laughs> basketball. Well, but here's but, the thing about those those connections that you're talking about, John. Yeah. Where it's just like they're a more surface level. Sure. You know, having a but here's the thing is that 
that allows the opportunity for it to continue to grow. Yeah. I can't have a deep relationship with you if I don't even know your name. Yeah. Are you but a I, safe person? Right. We First, look at work that. on the hierarchy. Yeah. Are you safe? Is this something Are that, you safe? Do I have personal yeah. security with you? Because yeah. if I don't, I can't open up my family and belonging to you. And I Which, think that's one of the most challenging things about doing small groups. Yeah. Because yes. that time that it takes to know. This is how yeah. I always describe it. Uh, we had a marriage coach. They were doing marriage coaching. But I think it's about. I think it's great in any scenario they had these um heart sandstones that were made by these african women that they brought home uh, from a mission trip and anyway they're they're rocks okay they're beautiful rocks but you don't understand how heavy it is until you hold it and so like what i always say in small groups is if we want to kind of get to this depth quickly i am holding your heart you are holding my heart it is heavy it is tender i need to trust you yeah. i need you to be confidential and if if any of those things if we can if any of those things get broken quickly we've lost belonging yeah, yeah. well and so we used to john and i used to have a group on sunday nights so we played dnd mm-hmm. and we had several guys not christian so we had me you and two other guys from staff and then we had three other guys that were not christian by any stretch of the imagination yeah. And it was so funny when we first started, one of the guys would purposely try and offend us. <laughs> Remember that? Like he would say yeah. things to see if he would, if he'd get us upset because he knew, he knew I was a pastor, knew we worked at a church, was super nervous about it. And I was like, I don't, okay. Like I, I don't get offended. And eventually he started feeling safe and sharing things. And that group, like that was the whole reason why we do it. It wasn't just about D&D. It was a place for people to belong. And And this is the part is, I think sometimes we assume that as Christians, either one, if we're gonna enter, if we're gonna mix Christians, it better be with other Christians. Mm. But here's the thing: how are we supposed to be light in the world if we're just surrounded we're by just, more light? It's just this bubble that you're yeah. in. And so, so how it's does actually my least favorite part about being on staff at church? That is the hardest part. Yeah. I've been in ministry full time for 21 years now. Okay, and I actually miss my non-Christian environment. So I have to be intentional. So it's going to the gym. It's right. It's the relationships that I had when I lived in Minnesota and San Jose. I purposefully found opportunities to connect with people who aren't Christians because I, we get insulated here so much. You have much. to. Yeah, absolutely. You have to. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think about that. What would it look like if we as a church weren't so intentional about wanting everybody who not just came through our doors because there's an expectation that they're going to come to us. Right. Right. And so like we've done the neighborhood block parties. Um, I think about some of the stuff that Kidsmen has done, Kids Ministry has done. Um, even this revival thing that's going on, we've got people that are who aren't Christians who are coming just to check it out. And I, I, I look at this desire for belonging. Okay, so last kind of thought question before we end. Yeah. And, and I, what would be, if you had one thing that you think you would love to see the church become when it comes to belonging, what would the church look like for you? What does a church that makes belonging happen, what does it look like? Again, I don't, they don't get peppered with these questions beforehand, so this is all real time. So uh, I can oh, tell you, you I'd love to see diversity, and not just in, like all diversity, right? So age and race and um, economic, yeah, mm-hmm. marital status, all di- just diversity, just the body of Christ welcoming everybody, regardless of whether they think politically is the same as you regardless of whether they look the same way as you. I mean, I that that would be, to me, just a really wonderful place. To so see, so belonging, so to see a, a multi-ethnic, multi, 
uh, financial Gen- generation, financial, generation, econ- yeah, political, economic, political, uh, yeah, all of the things, all the things that you can think are different. Yeah. In one house. <laughs> well, and, and I think if churches and, are done well, it's another. supposed to look like that. Absolutely. If we all just agree with one another, it means we're not growing or stretching yeah. each other. I totally agree with that, Jennifer. I think diversity is a huge thing. And to like piggyback on top of that, not only with the diversity, but um, an authenticity and a genuineness that comes with those interactions where like you're not welcoming me at the parking lot and waving like you were talking about in your sermon, you know, when you guys went and visited that. We don't really have a big parking lot to do. Yeah, we don't really one, we don't really have that. But like, are you doing that because you have to? Yeah. Because you feel like you have this sense of duty, or are you genuinely really excited? I, as a person, as an individual, I'm here. Are you actually excited to have a conversation with me? Or are you professionally obligated as a staff member of this church? And that's I, okay. So when I was talking about that church, we went to Bayside, right? When we yeah. went, every person there, I felt like they genuinely meant it. Yeah. Like you they can tell the difference. They weren't just doing it because someone tasked me to be yeah. on a hospitality team, which I, we have a great hospitality if, team. If we were doing church right, we wouldn't Everybody need a hospitality would be to hospitality. We wouldn't need a hospitality team. Yeah. Everybody would just be hospitality. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yours, that would be yours. Yes. So, okay. Authenticity, yeah. place where people feel yeah. welcome. Okay. How about you, John? Well, I always think, you know, when we're, when we're creating this atmosphere of belonging, looking, looking to, to develop that relationship. And as you're developing that, you know, just kind of gently nudge people to the next step and like, Hey, this is what we're about. You're, you are welcome here. You are safe here. You belong here. Now, how do you, how don't do you, stay here. yeah, well, yeah. Like, well <laughs> don't stay here. think about this, think about, and I, I always think of, you know, I'm, I'm doing worship and so I'm leading music and, and singing is a big, it's important to me. Um, but I know not everybody connects to God, I guess, through that avenue, you know, and not everyone connects that way and, and helping people find how they connect with God and, and maybe exploring that with people. I think that's, that's really cool to me, yeah. seeing think, that development happen, you know. Sorry, man. Oh, no, you, you, I'm good. You, you good no, this is good. This is how conversation No, works, I know, so. but I always I always get so excited to add to something, and then I walk on people, and it's not <laughs> nice. Um, I was, I think I maybe have lost my thought. Oh, uh, <laughs> all of that. oh I was going to say, this is what you made me think about when you were saying, like, gently, like, lead them along. Yeah. One of the things that's been so convicting in my life recently, though, is that people are not projects. Amen. Mm-hmm. So if my only goal to befriend them and to help them belong is so that they find Christ, so I can, have failed already. Because you've not, you've got a notch on the belt syndrome. Yep. It, or yeah. it, or it's, and of course I want them to come. Of course I want that for them. But if I'm just doing my job of loving them well. The rest, the rest is, it's not up to me, which is what really great. I'll be like, why yeah, are you, you so, Jennifer, why are you so nice to me? Why are you always inviting me over? Why are you so friendly Because I'm every trying time? to get you saved. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> because I have Jesus, let me tell you about him. Yeah. And I think what can happen to Christians sometimes, though, is we kind of, even if we come from the right motivation, when it's, when the invitation for Christ is uh, denied, we stop being friends yeah. with that person. Never. That's the evidence that it's a project. I know. Yeah. I went through that a lot because I was a non-Christian for a very long time. And I have a few, very small few friends that I'm still, my best friend in the whole world is not a church going kind of person. And I love her more than Yeah. Well, and and, and so I I think about that. And even this idea of projects is that 
I have friends that I've known for years who I've told them, of course, I'd love to see you become a mm-hmm. Christian, but we're not friends because I'm trying yes. to get you to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. First of all, that's one of the beautiful things about Lutheran theology is it's not our job to save people. Yeah. It's Jesus's. I don't have to convince you. I don't have to argue you there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I do. And that's awesome. I think about my friend, Zach. Uh, you know, I've shared my story where I was the Bible thumper and all that. And I decided to try and change that mentality. And there was this guy, Zach, who I just started, we started having faith conversations. I wasn't going to try and convince him. I wasn't going to argue with him. And he just asked me questions. And I knew he had been exploring a couple different religions. And then one night he calls me, he went to uh, UC Santa Barbara, calls me one night and he goes, Jason, I did it. Did what? I gave my life to Jesus. I'm like, I don't know what you're thinking about it. <laughs> and it was so, it's like my right hand didn't know what my left was doing because I wasn't trying to make him a project. I was just being a good friend. And he gave, his, he gave his life to Christ, still goes to church. He was a pastor. He, he pastored a church for a while. I don't know if he's, he's not a ministry anymore. But he, it's not that he doesn't love Jesus. He's just now in the tech industry. So for me, what I think the sign of a belonging church is, is when you have a lot of non-Christians. Mm-hmm. When you have people who feel so safe and welcome there that they feel safe enough to have doubts and questions and not feel pressured. And that's the sign for me. When your church is a belonging church, you're going to have people who are not just believers because we want everyone to feel like, hey, you have a place here. Now, in fairness, yeah, we do admit there's a difference between belonging to the family of God and belonging to an organization. Yeah. Right. Some when they come to our church, there is not, a call to go deeper that's right. than yeah. that. And yep. I think and that's what you're talking about. And we don't yeah, apologize yeah. for that. Yeah. I don't apologize, but we're not going to love you less. Or yeah. think less of you. And yeah. we'll even let you serve in some areas of ministry if you're not a believer. But in higher leadership, Amen. of course, you have to be, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think that if we're doing this belonging thing well, it's so attractive. This is why Jesus, where so many people were compelled, because yeah. he made them felt like they belonged. Yeah. That and he really, truly loved them. He, yeah. Yes. Him. And he loved them enough to not keep them where they were. He, it doesn't mean we don't say hard things. Yeah. But he also didn't. Get rid of them when they didn't fit the narrative. Anymore. I think of the woman that was caught as an adulterer. Yeah, John chapter eight. Yep, yeah. and he and he's everybody leaves. Throw it on your stone. Like, sorry, I'm fumbling over my words. But and then she's the last one there. And she's where are like, your accusers? Where yeah. are your accusers? Now go and sin no more. Yeah. And I always think of that where it's like he protected her. He yeah. loved her. He defended her. And then challenged her for more. And then yep. challenged her for more. And that's that invitation better. challenge, yeah. the language we use in discipleship. Yeah. And so as we look at this, here's my hope is that we we ended with the end of the message was talking about that when somebody first comes in, we can make them feel like they belong by making them feel welcomed. And then maybe they'll feel like they're part of the community. Hey, I have friends here, right? And sometimes it's the mission, they Josiah's house or children's ministry. We have people who aren't Christians yet who want to help out and hold babies. Yeah. Last time I checked, you don't have to be a Christian to hold the baby well, right? Yeah. Um, but we allow them to be there. Even on the worship team, I for years I used to believe that you had to be a Christian to be on the worship team. Now, mm-hmm. I don't want someone who's not a follower of Jesus leading songs because if we're leading in worship, you need to be leading authentically. Otherwise, you're just performing. Yeah. But I think there are people that are talented drummers and guitarists who that might be their invitation to connect or to work on sound, right? And then. From there, if they become a Christian, which is always what we, we want, we're unabashedly, unashamedly, we want everybody to know the hope we have, to know the ultimate source of tove, of goodness, right? We want to bring Jesus to people. You also don't want it to be like that other side of it where it's like, if your friend dies, 
or they're on their deathbed and be like, oh, did I ever tell them about Jesus? I wish Jesus? I would have told them about Jesus, yeah. Did they know that I loved Jesus? And that's I never why, talked about him. And that's why we can't be, we can't be ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but I just recognize that people are in different places. But once they become a Christian, then they become a part of the family of God. Now they belong to Jesus, then they belong to the family, yeah. and now they belong to God's mission. Whereas right now yeah. we have people who want to help because they like the idea of philanthropy or yeah. this is good for the world. Awesome. Come and yeah. Yeah. do We can go clean parking lots there's together. A, That's wonderful. There's a good part in Bob Goff's book. Here's my Bob Goff. Bob Goff, shout out. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> but he talks about like, I can, I can be like Jesus. I can love like Jesus without ever saying his name. I can do that in an interaction. I can do that. I think about that a lot too. And and yet at the same point, he's still not afraid to say Jesus. Absolutely. It's Bob Goff. <laughs> That's right. All right. So um, here's as we look at the next couple of weeks, we're going to next week, we're talking about belief because ultimately we do want people to believe, but you don't have to believe to belong. And, and for those people, if you have family members or friends that are looking for a safe place, that's what we're, we believe Zion can be that safe place. And that's really what we're aiming for and hoping for safe place to have doubts, to wrestle. Even if you're wrestling through faith, even if you're not even sure if you're a Christian anymore, you can still belong here and know that you have people who love you and want you here. And then after belief, we're talking about become because we, we do want to see. We are a church. Uh, I remember for years, the whole thing was uh, in the, the seeker sensitive movement. Well, you don't want them to feel like it's a church. Last time I checked, when somebody went to church, they're not shocked when you talk about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. They know what they're getting into. Now, yeah. if I go to Burger King, and instead of Burger King, I'm getting A&W, that's a bait and switch. <laughs> but no one goes to church going, oh, they talk about Jesus at this church yeah. thing? Like no one's shocked by that. And that was the problem with the seeker sensitive movement. No, I'm just picturing it being at Burger King going, this is really good root beer. <laughs> wow, this is yeah, what's going on. But that was the problem with seeker sensitive. It's seeker sensitive, they wanted you to belong and they never wanted to challenge you to become yeah. in the hopes that you just mysteriously get there. And no. We are all about Jesus. And we believe that there are, regardless of, some, if someone's struggling in their sexuality, if someone's struggling in their marriage, if someone's wrestling through addiction, if they're not a Christian, if they're an atheist just looking for community, we wanna be, that's our desire, we wanna be a place where people feel like they can belong because we do want them to believe. And we do want them to become, but maybe that first step is knowing they have a place, a place that wants them. Well, hey, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this has been a great episode of Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm John. I'm Kate. Jennifer. Thanks for tuning in, and hopefully you'll listen to us next week. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.